The second day of training camp is in the books. I give my takeaway on each position group so far in fall practices. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are discussing each position group two days into training camp. And then in the last segment, some random thoughts on the Texas-Alabama game this year and the 2024 recruiting class. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day longhorn nation and whoever is listening we've made it to friday it's been a long week for me i know it's been a long week for some uh so hopefully everybody has a fun and safe weekend we are getting closer and closer uh to the first football game against rice can't wait you know but we know that the players got to go through training camp right now the players and the staff and hopefully it's a productive one for the texas football team we've heard a lot of really good things thus far you know even though it's only been two practices a lot of kool-aid coming out from all of the major sites that cover Texas, Horns 24-7, Inside Texas, Orange Bloods, wherever you get your news, they're pumping Kool-Aid as much as we can take right now. And so I'm going to kind of give my takeaways on each position group thus far on the offense and the defense based on what I've heard and what I've read. So we're going to start with the quarterback room and my takeaway thus far, and this includes the offseason as well, you know, the entire offseason, spring ball, summer, everything we've heard, not just two days of fall camp even though it's included in that but I would say and this may be a bold takeaway but each quarterback and that includes Malik Murphy Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning has an argument for the best in the room right now and this may be more of a projection you know because obviously you would assume that Quinn Ewers and uh, Malik Murphy know the playbook and are more comfortable in the system than Arch Manning who's a true freshman but when I think I think when you just look at the traits and what they bring to the table you know I think there's people on each side of that equation that would say either right now, or if we're looking at it five, six years from now, this person right here is the best in the quarterback room. When you talk about Quinn Ewers, just that effortless arm talent, his ability to just flick the ball 60 yards down the field. He can throw the ball off platform from any angle and still be accurate. He just has NFL level arm talent. That's really been polished since he was you know a sophomore in high school right and then you talk about Malik Murphy who just has that commanding presence that commanding leadership that that people follow that people rally around that people want to go to war with you know as I talked about in yesterday's episode and not only you know is he a physical freak in terms of the body type but the arm is crazy you know we talk about Quinn Ewers being able to effortlessly effortlessly flick it you know 60 yards down the field Well, Malik's got some torque behind that arm, throwing it 75, 80 yards down the field. Um, Just a huge presence, you know, but somebody that everybody wants to rally around. We've all heard the story about how he willed his team to a state championship after everything that they went through, you know, and almost, you know, decimating his ankle in that same game. Uh, But he's just somebody, you know, that people want to follow. A lot of people feel like Malik Murphy is the best quarterback in that room right now. And then people that have seen all three up close and understand what all bring to the table, 
say that Arch Manning might have right now, you know, the best footwork and the mechanics of the group. And, you know, he has that pedigree of a Manning and he's showing it already, you know, two days into fall camp in his first offseason at the University of Texas. So, like I said, this may be more of a projection. You know, I'm not saying that Malik Murphy or Arch Manning may be better than Quinn Ewers right now. I'm not saying that Malik Murphy or Arch Manning should start over Quinn Ewers right now. But I think you could make an argument for each one of these quarterbacks that they're the best in the room, maybe right now or long term. And that's a very good problem to have for the University of Texas. Moving on to the running back room, my takeaway is we need a three headed monster at running back. And I know that Jonathan Brooks is a really good running back and he is going to be the bell cow this year as he should be. You know, they talked about just the way he runs the plays, the way that he runs himself. Uh, he's a very productive back and he should excel uh, behind an offensive line that should be better than it was last year. You know, he should have a really good 2023 season. I also think he's going to be uh, featured at a high level because Steve Sarkeesian has told anybody that will listen that he has always had a thousand yard rusher, right? Every year that he is called offense. So he's going to make sure that Jonathan Brooks has a thousand yards, whether that's a difficult task or not remains to be seen, but he's going to make sure that Jonathan Brooks gets a thousand yards this year. But when I look at Cedric Baxter and Jaden blue, I think these are two of the best running backs in the country, even though they don't start for the university of Texas. And I just don't want to see a scenario in which Jonathan Brooks gets 250 touches. Cedric Baxter gets hundred touches and Jaden blue gets 50. You know, I think they're all too talented to be tiered that way. I think each running back on this team should get a hundred touches this year. If you look at it, if they play 14 games, that's about seven touches a game, right? Combined rushing and passing. I think that's very doable. And that doesn't mean that Jonathan Brooks isn't the bell cow anymore. That doesn't mean that Jonathan Brooks doesn't get the majority of the touches, but I think the two running backs behind him are too talented to have Jonathan Brooks way up here. And then Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue way down here. I think it needs to be more of a balance, a three-headed monster that can attack you in any way possible because all three of those running backs are super talented. All three of those running backs could start for almost any team in the country right now. My wide receiver takeaway is Xavier Worthy might be wide receiver two in the country, not on this team. I remember seeing a list over the summer that talked about uh, the top wide receivers in the country. And I think it was from on three and they had Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one. I think that's consensus uh, what he's able to do at six, four with that athleticism. And he, I mean, he just plays like his father, right. Who's a hall of famer. And then they had Xavier worthy number two. And I kind of scoffed at it. And maybe it was because he was coming off a down year. You know, maybe it was times where I just didn't feel like he looked like or played like a number one wide receiver in terms of going and getting the ball, playing with the aggressiveness and intensity, you know, that on a, on a week in and week out basis, I just felt like, you know, last year was a down year and he may have had one foot out the door. We heard the USC rumors almost once a week, you know, at one point in the season, but, you know, I really liked his comments. I've talked about him a few times at big 12 media days about maturity, having to be more mature for this team, having to grow up, you know, having to be better in terms of his health, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Right. I thought that was a huge quote from somebody who's still in college, you know, um, then you just talk about his natural ability, the speed, the quickness, the explosiveness. I think he's an underrated route runner, the way he gets in and out of his breaks, the way that he can attack you at any area of the field. And I know he's been inconsistent in terms of his effort and, you know, his ability to catch the ball, but when he does do that, <laughs> you know, he's one of the best in the country. So, you know, just hearing from what I'm hearing, you know, it could be off season Kool-Aid, right? Everybody's motivated. Everybody's going to have their best season. Everybody looks really good right now. But what I think we might see from Xavier Worthy this year is certainly capable of not only being one of the best wide receivers in the country, but I think he could challenge Marvin Harrison 
this year for the best wide receiver in the country. He's that special. Moving on to the tight end position. When I look at, you know, what we have at the University of Texas, I think we're pretty set with JT Sanders, right? Most would say that, you know, JT Sanders is a top two or three tight end in the country with Brock Bowers probably being the consensus tight end. And we know that Gunnar Helm is the backup, but we haven't seen or expect much from Gunnar Helm. But Horns 24-7 put out a story after Jeff Banks made the comments at, you know, the Texas media days prior to camp starting that he might have the biggest chip on his shoulder on the team, right? And I read the story, and they talked about how Gunnar Helm has been here the same amount of time as J.T. Sanders, how he knows the offense just as well as J.T. Sanders, and he feels like he can be just as productive as J.T. Sanders. Whether that's true or not you know, remains to be seen, but you love the confidence, and that's how every football player on this team should feel. So, you know, I love the fact that Gunnar Helm, you know, has a chip on his shoulder. You know, I'm sure he thinks that he can contribute more to the team than the five or six catches he had last year. And like I said, whether it's true or not, he feels like he can contribute just as much as JT Sanders. He knows the offense. He's been here the same amount of time and he felt like he should be featured or if featured the way that JT Sanders is, or if he gets more opportunities could be more of an asset to uh, the Texas football team. So we expect to see less 12 personnel this year. We expect to see less two tight end looks this year, but when Gunnar Helm is on the field, I'm looking forward to seeing him be productive. You know, if he's uh, has a chip on his shoulder and he's working out that way and carrying himself like a true professional, you know, like the blog, not the blog sites, but the media sites have said, and like Jeff Banks has said, then that should lead to a productive 2023. And there's so many weapons on the field that Gunnar Helm could get lost, right? And that could make for not a big season because he's behind JT Sanders, but a very productive and validating season for Gunnar Helm this year. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to get into my takeaways from the offensive line and the rest of the positions on this football team. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply so my next takeaway is on the offensive line and it's that dj campbell needs to find his way on the field you know he played i think was about 129 snaps last year so he got a good amount of time but you know not nearly the reps or work that the starters got last year we know cole hudson started at that right guard spot but i feel like dj campbell just needs to find his way on the field this season right as a starter you know more specifically um, and right now, you know, as of the second day of camp, a lot of things can change. He's still working with the two. So hopefully something changes between now and then. My reason for saying that, and I'm not trying to necessarily take anybody specifically off the field. I know only five offensive linemen can start at a time, but I'm not going to sit here and say specifically he should be in over, you know, Hayden Connor. or He should be in over Cole Hudson. You know, that's for Kyle Flood and the coaches on the Texas staff to decide. But when I look at DJ Campbell's pedigree, right? Coming out of high school, 
you know, obviously now you would probably say that Kelvin Banks is the most talented offensive lineman in that room. But production aside, I would say number two has to be DJ Campbell, right? This is somebody at the guard position who was a very productive basketball player in high school, right? Somebody that has really good athleticism for that position can do a lot in terms of pulling and just athletically moving, you know, enough to move people in the run game. And he is physically violent and physically strong at the point of attack, right? He can really move people in the run game. Maybe there's some questions about what he's able to do in the passing game. But like I say, with his, you know, basketball background and just being that size with that athleticism, you would think he would be able to be really strong in terms of pass protection. And, you know, maybe there's some, you know, not understanding of the offense as well as, you know, the team would like or some other things. I don't know. Right. I'm not in the building. I'm not in the room. I'm not in the practices. It doesn't all the way make sense to me. But I just know that he is a super talented offensive lineman. It may not be all the way there yet, but sometimes you just got to put them in the fire and let them figure it out. Right. And like I said, after all of the you know talent we've added in that room, I would still say DJ Campbell is the second most talented player in that room. Right. He is a five star coming out of high school for a reason. And, you know, maybe he hasn't figured it out yet, you know, but I think just with his pure talent, his, you know, physical ability, his athleticism, his ability to move people in the run game, which was a problem for us at times last year. You got to put DJ Campbell in there and he's got to figure it out because he would be a huge asset to this offensive line that's trying to take a step forward from 2022. Moving to the defensive line on the interior, Sadir Mitchell needs a big year. You know, we've heard really good things about Tavondre Sweat and really good things about Byron Murphy, but they can't play all of the snaps, right? They can't stay on the field the whole time. Trill Carter has been a welcome addition. We've heard uh, pretty good things about him thus far in the offseason program and in the two days of fall camp. But after that, I think there's a bunch of question marks and you can't just have three defensive tackles that play on your team. You need somewhat more of a rotation. Those are big guys, right? And you want them fresh. You know, it's not necessarily about uh, playing them every snap. It's about playing them in productive snaps when they're fresh and ready to go. And so who is going to step up and be that fourth guy, right? Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins have been here for a while. And it's like one day we hear really good things. And then one day we hear some things that are offset, you know, Sadir Mitchell, um, you know, we heard he kind of struggled at first in spring ball, but he's dropped about 15 to 20 pounds and he looks more explosive, right? Would he be a candidate to step up and be that fourth D tackle in that rotation that provides a lot of value to the university of Texas and this football team. So, you know, you're going to have to look out for, um, that you know interior defensive line room to be a big part of this texas football team but i think you need four guys that week in and week out can be an asset for you and right now i think we can name three of them we don't know who that fourth guy will be but i'm gonna say sadir mitchell because we're gonna rely on him for the next three years alfred collins and vernon broughton not so much so if he can develop this year if he can get on the field this year that bodes well for texas next year when they step into the sec at the edge position, Baron Sorrell needs a first-team Big 12 caliber season. The reason I say that is because I'm not sure what you're going to get from the other side of the defensive line, right? Whether it's going to be Ethan Berg, you know, Justice Finkley, Colton Vasek, whoever. There just does not seem to be a lot of confidence at that jack position right now, you know, compared to the confidence it's of Andre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and Baron Sorrell. So I think if Baron Sorrell can have a first-team all-Big 12-type season, that'll take a lot of pressure off whoever plays at the jack position. I think right now, whatever pass rush, whatever production you get from the jack position, you're playing with house money. So I think Baron Sorrell needs to have a big season to kind of offset what you're not going to get, what I project you're not going to get, I should say, from the jack position. Hopefully they prove me wrong, right? I'm a Texas fan at the end of the day. And, you know, if he has a really good season, you're going to have to allocate more resources to stopping him. Same thing with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And if those players can draw double teams, that's going to create more one-on-one -on -one opportunities from the jack position. And you would hope 
that the talented players we have in that room could win in one-on-one opportunity. So Baron Terrell having a first-team Big 12 caliber season would go a long way towards helping this Texas football team, not just from his production and, you know, him getting sacks and tackles for loss, but helping out the player opposite him this year in 2023. At the linebacker position, exceptional depth and talent in the linebacker room. If the starters right now are Jalen Ford, Mo Blackwell, and David Bender, I'm really comfortable with that, right? You have a lot of talent and experience in that group. And even though Mo Blackwell is a safety playing linebacker, like 207 pounds, he hits like he's 240. So I'm very comfortable with him at the linebacker position. But then you talk about the depth, right? Leonga LaFowle and Anthony Hill, to me, that's more than depth. Those are really special players that are coming off the bench for this Texas football team. And so I think that's really exciting uh, for Texas. It's really exciting for this year because you can utilize Leonga LaFowle and Anthony Hill in a variety of ways in their true freshman season, but it also speaks to the future of this position in the SEC. And I think Leonga LaFowle and Anthony Hill next to each other, you know, or any combination of them on the field is a welcome sight to see for Pete Gakowski, Jeff Choate, and this defense. So I think, you know, overall, the room is amazing. That's not even mentioning players like, you know, Darion Gallet, uh, you know, Samaje Barrero, you know, Jet Bush. I think that room is just really well coached. They're really talented, have great leadership in Jalen Ford, and they have great depth, you know, five or six players that can really come in and make an impact on this Texas football team. At the corner position, the two deep is special and should all be productive. If your starters are Gavin Holm, excuse me, if your starters are Terrence Brooks, Jade Barron, and Ryan Watts, I am very comfortable with that room, and I think that's how it should be. But if we flip that and look at the two deep behind them, right, if your starters were Malik Muhammad, Jalen Gilbo, and Gavin Holmes, I'm sure you would not be as comfortable as that first team rotation, but you think that trio could go out and win games, even with Malik Muhammad being a true freshman, right? That's why I think the two deep is so special at that position at the University of Texas, because like I said, with the linebacker room, a ton of depth and a ton of talent. And I think with the two deep, right? Like I said, Gavin Holmes, Malik Muhammad, and Jalen Gilbo, you could go out and win games. That's not even mentioning Austin Jordan, who the staff is really high on and who made plays for this Texas football team last year. So right now in that cornerback room, you probably got seven solid players that could come in and make plays for this Texas football team. And that's great. That's what you need to win at a high level. That's what you need to win in the SEC, right? Great players starting, but also great depth behind them, right? You know, attrition happens injuries happen. It's football. You have to be ready. You have to have that next man up mentality. You have to be prepared for anything over the course of a long season. And my last takeaway at the safety position, we have a lot of dudes, but Jalen Catalan is the guy, right? And that includes Jaron Thompson. Jaron Thompson is a really good football player, but Jalen Catalan is special. The only question we have about him is, you know, whether he can stay healthy. But like I said, if he stays on the field for 10 plus games this year for the Texas football team, we can be borderline elite on the defensive side of the ball. He just brings everything to the game, you know, leadership, awareness, instincts, football, IQ, and then the physical, you know, the way he hits at 5'10", 205. Like I said, he plays like he's 240. You know, we're talking about Mo Blackwell, um, the way he can cover, the way he can, you know, anchor the back half of a defense, his communication, like I said, his football IQ, the way he can come down in the box, blitz and control the run game or help control the run game with the linebackers. He's just a very special football player, somebody – you know, a type of talent that doesn't end up in the transfer portal too often. So love the addition of Jalen Catalan. And like I said, if he stays on the field this year for 10 plus games for Texas, this defense will be borderline elite and one of the best units in the country with the way that they're coached and developed. A quick word from our sponsors and then my random thoughts about Texas, Alabama and the 2024 recruiting class. Messed up. 
These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Head to LinkedIn Jobs right now to find the best qualified candidates you can find that you want to talk to faster and for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So my takeaway on the Alabama game, my random thought, I should say, that's how I branded it. Right. Is I think that that game in more ways than we think could define the season. And I know the same way we went into it last year, with, regardless of what happens in that game, right? Whether you go in there and win 49 to zero, whether you go in there and lose 49 to zero, of course, neither one of those will happen, we presume, right? But regardless of what happens in that game, if your main goal is to win the Big 12 championship, then that game has no bearing on your season. If you're trying to get to the college football playoff, then of course, you know, that game has huge implications, you know, towards that at the end of the season. But if your main goal is to win the Big 12 championship, that game has no bearing on your season at all right we would think but we're human beings and we know it's different than that and i think this texas football team has a lot of hype i think this texas football team is on the cusp of being special of being great right but they have yet to prove it on the football field it's all about talent acquisition and how they look in the offseason right but we've yet to see uh, a finished product we've yet to see the product that we expect at the university of texas on the football field and you know, we're hoping that that process starts in about a month, but it's all pretty much projection right now. We are projecting Texas to be really good based on the development and what they've acquired over the offseason. But we have yet to see it on the field just yet. So this Texas football team knows what they think they are, but they don't know what they are yet until you see the actual product. So going into that Alabama game, that's a huge test right away to kind of see where you are and who you are, right? How you respond to adversity. If things get tough, are you still that same team that everybody was raving over and, you know, giving flowers in the offseason, right? If you go in there and get beat really bad by Alabama, does that make you look and question yourself differently, right? Does that make you question what this team is capable of over the course of a season? Do you let Alabama beat you twice or multiple times because you carry that into different games? We saw them last year when they lost to Alabama came out and were down double digits to UTSA the very next week, right? It was obvious that there was a hangover in that game. So I think the same thing can happen this year, especially if Texas goes in with very high expectations. If they lose that game by not a close margin, they can start to question themselves and it could affect them or linger down the road. On the opposite version, right? I know that sounded real negative. Let's get in the positive. On the opposite version, if you go in there and beat Bama or you beat them convincingly, now that's confirmation, right? You know that everything people have said about you, everything that you felt during the offseason is genuine. And I think that could propel you to not only a Big 12 championship, but in serious contention for a college football playoff spot. That could be the the rocket, you know, uh, or the jet fuel that propels you throughout the rest of the season. And I think you would play with a different, you know, hunger and confidence knowing that you went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. So you know, we say in terms of the Big 12, that game has no bearing on the season, right? It has no impact in terms of the conference standing and standings and who ends up playing uh, in December, you know, in Arlington. But I think that game will have a huge impact on this Texas football team 
for weeks after it, right? Whether they win or lose, and hopefully they can go in there and be really competitive and confirm who they think they are. But if they go in there and have a poor showing or look like the same old Texas, you know, these players are on Twitter too. They're young. They're going to see all of the, the comments and what people are saying about them. I think it could have a negative effect, or if they went in there and won, they could have a positive effect for the rest of the season, right? And my random thoughts to end on the 2024 class are I'm not sure what's going to happen with Colin Simmons on the 10th. You know, obviously, if you're reading between the lines, you know, him and Caden Durham, uh, teammates announcing on the same day, both having LSU in their top schools. The only school that they have in common is a little concerning. Right. But people have said it's big not big. I'm sorry. Duncanville media days and you know they want them to get their commitments out the way and so maybe that's just why they're committing on the same day because it's Duncanville media days right we'll find out you know next Thursday it's not a lot to speculate about right now it's not worth uh you know getting your blood pressure high you know over right now but I will say that if you were to lose Colin Simmons if Colin Simmons was to go to LSU that makes Kobe Black and Dominic McKinley very heavy priorities, right? Two five-star players that Texas is, you know, really in on at, you know, corner with Kobe Black and the interior defensive line, Dominic McKinley. You would love to have all three. And obviously Colin Simmons is the priority, but I think if he chooses LSU, then it's mandatory that the staff need to go out and do everything in their power to get Kobe Black and Dominic McKinley because you want to continue to stack top classes on top of top classes on top of top classes, especially as you're going into the SEC, which is you know universally regarded as the toughest conference in football. And you don't want to have a really strong 2022 class and 2023 class and then kind of tail off you know, with that 2024 class, especially if the players you're losing are going to SEC programs, you're going to have to eventually play against them to get to where you want to go. So, you know, I think all three are really important. And like I said, you know, we'll see what happens next Thursday. But Colin Simmons, Dominic McKinley and Kobe Black need to be full court presses for the staff right now to make sure you have a really good class going into the SEC next season. A quick not a quick word from our sponsors. We're done. And as you can tell, I'm ready to be done. Have a good weekend. Longhorn Nation. Be safe. Have fun. See you on Monday. Football season is almost here. Peace.